Welcome to As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. Today we welcome Evan Patterson to the podcast. Evan has been a part of the hardcore punk scene for a long time as a member of Breather Resist and Young Widows. More recently, Evan has been releasing music under the moniker J-Jail. J-Jail's new record, Don't Let Your Love Life Get You Down, is out today on Pelagic Records. Evan talks about the scene in Louisville, the transition from Breather Resist to Young Widows, pushing himself creatively, finding contentment, and more. Enjoy today's chat with Evan Patterson. Uh, good thing that things have been delayed a few times because I've been able to do more research and that awesome. that first interview like it's so funny sometimes like I get sent singles and I'm like that's cool I want to talk to that person and I have yeah. no idea of your backstory or back your history and your catalog and then I research and I'm like oh shit <laughs> wow, I've okay. been listening to this person for a long time <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of people don't know yeah <laughs> It's great. It's great. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. So let's uh let's go. You're currently in uh where, where are you? St. Louis. I'm in Louisville. 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 Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. That's where you grew up. I was raised south of here in Elizabethtown. Cameron Crowe made that movie about Elizabethtown. Yeah. That is the Elizabethtown that I was raised in. Nice. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise was. He was born in Owensboro or something, so they made that movie. I don't know, I don't know why they chose Elizabethtown to do it, but that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. Didn't either. Yeah. What was uh what was growing up like? It's strange, you know. Um, I can't say that uh, the culture in Kentucky is my favorite, <laughs> but it's you know it's it's kind of where I'm from. I'm from and. Yeah. Feel very fortunate to be able to discover, like, you know, the music culture. I mean, yeah. skateboard, skateboarding was like the first introduction. It's like you know, discovering like Thrasher magazine and like Pal Peralta and all that shit was like, okay, I love punk rock. Like, I love music. This is this is the this is the way. Yeah. To get out of this, you know, weird, just kind of. Uh, I don't know, whatever rural American culture. It's it's a really tough thing to escape. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how like people of a certain age, like skateboarding, is the thing that got them into music, and then mm. at some point, there's a generational shift where that's not as prevalent anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this because it was the it was the early wave of punk rock, though. You know, mm -hmm. it's like. American punk rock in particular, it's like the 80s, late 70s and 80s, that was just when it was all happening and, you know, I think that as time has gone on, music is just so much more accessible. Right, right. 
it's like I used to have to go to a disc jockey record store in the mall to get cassettes. You know, right. at this at this point, it's like you know most people don't even buy records, so it's yeah, it's a right. different. Right, and then the punk scene became mainstream, and it was everywhere. So it's like, yeah, yeah, for people like us, it was like you got the cassette tape, and then we're reading the liner notes to see who the band thanked and who was in Thrasher or who was in AP yeah, Magazine. Like, what record label is this on? I'm going to buy everything on this record label. Yeah, and then you find out that not everything on the record label is good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like I really like this band on Victory, so I would buy all the. Oh no, I shouldn't buy all the records on Victory. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What were the uh, early bands that really hooked you and got you into wanting you know, to play? First, you know, my brother got me into skateboarding and punk rock, and you know, digging really deep into Misfits and Minor Threat and like you know the classic punk bands, and and then on my own, I kind of. I really loved Dinosaur Jr. when I was in fifth grade. It was like Dinosaur Jr. and the Lemonheads and Operation Ivy and, you know, like just kind of like kid skate rock was what I really wanted to listen to. And then, you know, later on in my life, I just like discovering like the heavier side of like, I really loved like AMREP, like Amphetamine Reptile Records and all the noise rock and you know, then kind of later got into like, yeah, Dead Guy, and and then later Botch, and you yeah. know, all of like the kind of noise metal genre as well. And you know, then I get older and older, and I don't <laughs> want the same record over and over again, and I keep changing and reinventing myself because yeah. it's an interesting thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. What uh, what led you to guitar and uh, again, with my brother, I mean, and even before that, I have to give my father credit. My, my father had, like, a really big 60s record collection. So, you know, he had every Jimi Hendrix record, and he had every Beatles record, and every Zeppelin record, and, you know, he, he didn't get, like, he always kind of steered away from things that I still will ask him, like, why didn't you like Alice Cooper, or why didn't you like Black Sabbath? And he's he, he's... It's funny, he's actually kind of equally like not into any kind of religion at all. Okay. Like if anything's religious in any way, if it's evil, if it's Christian, if it's, you know, any kind of direct religion, he's kind of like, I don't really want to listen to that. Okay. <laughs> Skipped out on that. So we, we listened to a lot of his albums as a kid, you know, and then just getting into music was such a natural progression. And my brother was started doing bands before me because I mean I think he was starting his bands when he was eleven or twelve or thirteen, and by the time I was ten or eleven, I was playing bass in one of his bands, you know, in the basement. Yeah. Um, the, the first song I remember ever covering was a, a Wire song. Like X Line Tamer was the first song I ever covered, and you know. And then from there, there was a show, there's a couple shows. There's a band called Kerosene 454 that played Louisville a lot, a DC band. Yeah, fuck yeah. And uh, Hoover. And I saw those two bands in the same year. And after that, I, I kind of went home and I thought, 
I can play guitar like these guys, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, they aren't following the rules in any way. And mm-hmm. they're just, they're, their style of playing was kind of more percussive and more angular and, and less about, to me, it was less about being a guitar player and more about being an artist. Yeah. So I kind of lean towards that and still, still do. I still, every time I learn too much on guitar, I'm like, just try to forget it. Right. <laughs> Don't play that same thing twice, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. What was the uh, scene like there in Louisville when you were like in high school and, and starting bands? Was there a good punk hardcore scene? There was. I mean, when I was a kid, um, the band Endpoint was a band that was very popular. And some of my first shows, my, very, my first show when I was 11 was a veil and guilt. And, you know, I mean, it was incredible. Just sold out show and everyone's going nuts. Just mm-hmm. like packed and could barely breathe or stand or, you know, it was fantastic. And then after that, I think it was, uh, there was a few smaller shows, but Endpoint was the, the biggest band in town at that point in time. And they did a weekend of shows, you know, it was just one of those things. It was just being a kid, it's, you know, going, traveling 30 minutes north from the town where I was raised and going to this community in Louisville and being involved in the, the punk hardcore scene. I mean, there's, there's nothing else I can even compare to it, you know? Yeah. It's better. It's like, you know, the most influential time of my life and... Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of bands, and there's like you know, King Horse. I think was kind of broken up by that point, but they were a bigger band in town. And then Guilt, who I just Guilt just played. I guess their last show. I went to see them play a month a month ago or so. You know, and there was there was a lot of bands going on at that point in time that are just still very important bands to me and my history of why. I've, you know, became yeah. a, you know, just chose this way of life, I guess. How did uh, Breather Resist get started? Breather Resist, um, I was doing a band called The National Acrobat. started that when I was 15, and it broke up when I was, I guess I was 19. And, and we kind of started touring a lot with The National Acrobat, and I got to play CBGBs with Converge and Caven, and, you know, did uh, did some touring with ISIS and Dillinger Escape Plan is, you know, when I was... 18 so i mean those those tours were kind of my introduction into what it's like to be more full-time musician yeah and then after the national acrobat broken up i was starting i was actually doing another band with my brother and the singer of endpoint called black cross at that time 
But then in between National Hockey Route and Really Resist, I was doing Black Cross, but I was playing bass and really wanted to start a heavier band. And there was a band in town that actually had all of the members of Breathe Resist besides me. <laughs> and I asked three of the guys if they wanted to do a band. And that's how the band started. And, you know, it's kind of went from there. I mean, it was all really pretty. Everyone was very excited and just kind of got everything done really quickly. It just wrote these insane, complicated songs, that, <laughs> you know, just cranked them out and then made a demo and released a demo of death wish and then within you know three or four years the band wasn't around that long but yeah we we were touring non-stop you know it was mm -hmm. i feel like it was 150 to 200 shows a year when we were a band yeah you know all, all mostly just diy spots you know playing a playing a garage i remember one of the, the funniest shows we played was a garage in new hampshire and the ground was sand. <laughs> and we were just like, we're going to play on the sand. And they're just like, you're going to play on the sand. And yeah. Yeah. The, the opening band had a, their kick drum, that their name markered on their kick drum. And they were called the AIDS patients. Oh, shit. <laughs> really fucked up. And I could tell they had painted over their old name which was the dickweeds. <laughs> uh, they were like, no, we're not the dickweeds anymore. Now we're the AIDS patient. Uh, and they like to play in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's wild. What? How'd you guys get connected with Death Wish? Uh, not through the National Acrobat shows with Converge. Okay. So, I mean, that's... The National Acrobat played probably five or six shows of Converge. So I had kind of a, a little bit of a relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. As Breather Resist ends, that kind of becomes Young Widows. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't even much of a pause. It was we parted ways with our singer and then I was like, okay, I think I'm going to try to sing and see how this goes and I'd never done it before besides just screaming backups and do a mic while playing guitar. Mm -hmm. Kind of just forced myself. And yeah, I think it worked out. I'm still yeah. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying singing more now than I ever have, which is great. You know, I guess it would have been a bummer if I tried it out and didn't like it and stopped. But yeah. I yeah. yeah, I was trying to think, like, I'm pretty sure I saw Young Widows, and I can't remember if it was with Russian Circles, or if you guys toured with the Appleseed cast at DC9 in DC. Many Definitely. Never played with the Appleseed cast. Okay, so Russian Circles. Russian Circles. We played, I mean, hundreds of shows. Probably, if not, like, close to 300 shows with Russian Circles, so. Yeah. The first, now, for the first three, four years we were banned, it was multiple tours a year with them to the point where they actually said they're like i don't think we can take you on tour anymore <laughs> i think we've done it i think we've done it enough and it's like yeah it's true we have done it enough yeah 
Yeah, I think this would have been around the time of old wounds. I think roughly in that. Yeah. Cycle. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> How'd you guys uh, end up going? Like, you kind of changed your sound. Was that just like a vocally, or just like you wanted to play something a little less complicated and not as intense? I mean, not that you weren't an, an intense band, but with uh, with, with Young Widows. Yeah. Which, uh, with, uh, I mean, with Young Widows, I just kind of was doing a lot of touring with Breathe Resist and was not really connecting with the metal scene. Okay. Uh, the, uh, I'm not really like into like the tough guy thing. Like, you know, not saying that that's like all of the metal scene is, but a lot of like the crowds, it was kind of, it wasn't really, I didn't feel at home with it, you know, mm-hmm. and felt more, you know, akin to, a lot of like the DC hardcore and punk music scene and and the Louisville and Chicago music scene and like you know I just what I listened to besides a handful of bands was mostly that kind of music and that's just it was a natural thing to just be like okay I think this is actually what I enjoy playing more than the heavier style yeah yeah last year we're always there with all of my bands, but there were always, you know, some heavier moments. Yeah. And saying that, I mean, Young Widows just tracked all the music for our next album, and it's it's probably our heaviest album that I've made. But nice. you know, it's just whatever whatever is inspiring at that moment in time. No, nice. no work for reasons really why it's just like this is what i'm interested in making right now yeah yeah well, i was i was gonna ask you know last old widow's record was 2014 and what the status of the band was you just did a new record <laughs> yeah um it's it was kind of a lot um nick and jeremy became fathers and time was tough to get together to to write and then also i started touring more with jj and next thing you know it's nine years later yeah <laughs> uh, and we it's, it's interesting we had kind of have been trying to write for i mean this entire time and beginning of last year was it yeah beginning of last year we just decided that every friday morning at 10 30 a.m we we're going to get together to rehearse <laughs> and and it it worked out you know we just made our schedules work around that and if we didn't do that it it would have never happened yeah yeah my wife is like a standing call with like her best friend and it's like if it's not on the calendar it doesn't happen and you have sometimes you just have to schedule shit out or exactly Let's talk about this solo project. What made you want to try something completely different than when you've done musically and, and go solo? And, um, and uh, 
Yeah. That was, you know, I kind of was teetering around with some of the similar, kind of somewhat similar sound with some, some Young Widow's songs. Now, there was like the guitar and old wounds and then uh, another song on In and Out of Youth Lightness. And I kind of wanted to just try focusing more on a style that was not based around punk or hardcore as it's like roots mm-hmm. because I've been doing that all of my life and you know honestly when I first started doing JJ I was like trying to finger pick for the first time and I, <laughs> you know just trying to yeah. do never done and it was all really kind of playful and not taken seriously in any way and the next thing you know it's like all, all of my close friends are like we should just do this band we should make it be a band and it took a little bit of convincing at first i was like i don't know if this is supposed to be a band and yeah then we started playing shows and it was so much fun we were just having such a great time like as as friends and as a band and then naturally just kept on making music and yeah. yeah and neil the drummer of jjl and todd the bass player have, you know, they've been in the band since i was first playing shows and our connection beyond being musicians and in the band together we're just we're the closest of friends you know like we we hang out and spend time together regardless of if it's based around music and you know, it's it's a wonderful relationship I have with them. Yeah, yeah. Where'd the name come from? I was trying to think of something that was like clearly like meant that it was blues music <laughs> in a way, and you know, it's 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 kind of supposed to sound like a bird, like a you know yeah. a jaybird. And then I was also trying to think of something that sounded like you're in prison. And it was kind of, you know, it it was literally like, okay, it's a bird that's in prison, a bird, a caged bird, but also just give it that whole, you know, all of the the moniker names that have always gone on just have that funny catchiness and confusing of like Bobby Bears and, you know, just you know those those made up names that clearly are made up you know yeah and that's it kind of just was inspired i was i was listening to a lot of 45s and at the time i i was like digging through crates all the time like just looking for random song titles that i thought were funny or interesting or artist names and a lot of those artist names were the reason why i named the group jjl Nice, nice. How'd you get connected with uh, Sergeant House? Just time with Russian Circles and knowing those guys. Yeah, through Russian Circles. And yeah, yeah. They, uh, Kathy was always a big the the label owner was always a big supporter of Young Widows, and yeah, it was kind of a natural thing to work with them on the first couple of records. Nice. How how has the musical evolution? You kind of talk about just doing whatever you want 
when you write music, does that explain the evolution of this project of just like, oh, I want to do something more electronic or synth based now? Like, just like. And there's, there's more freedom, I feel like, with me doing this, being focused around being a solo artist. Mm -hmm. You know, there's even less restraints of like, okay, we're, uh, you know, a, a band of a certain genre. It's kind of like, I feel like it's never really fit into a genre. So that kind of opens up, you know, the floodgates for all of the influences to come out at any point in time. Yeah. And, you know, it's always been more interesting to me to not make the same records over and over again. And at this point, it's, it's nice because I have multiple outlets to make multiple sounds of music and it might make the variety of those albums a little less you know they might be more centered around the sound but mm -hmm. you know it's just having artistic freedom is always been the most important thing i mean that's why i i do this you know not to have a it's not to be a successful musician it's to have like creative freedom to mm -hmm. feel myself artistically more than anything ever yeah yeah you released prison uh august 2020 what was that experience like releasing music while the world was uh, locked uh, down it was very awkward yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't actually feel that great to release a record in 2020 in any way and especially a record called prison which <laughs> i chose the name of that but <laughs> it was it was kind of how I felt I, I felt that way making the record because I made the record on tour while stuck in a van mm. you know I was like toured over 200 it was like 230 plus days in 2019 and coming home I had all these other tours scheduled and I got cancelled and I was honestly relieved. Yeah. But then, you know, it was it was a really difficult time for everyone and I kind of enjoyed being home. And until I got uh government assistance for not working, I was very much freaking out of how yeah. I <laughs> pay my bills and and, and you know, in addition to that, like the Brianna Taylor murder in Louisville, and I mean, it's it was just an awful, depressing time to mm -hmm. exist, you yeah. know. But I feel like we've come, uh, we've gotten a lot accomplished since then, and you know. I mean, so, so many beautiful things have happened politically and socially politically since 2020. Yeah. You know, in a way that, you know, in the way of, like, just all politics came to, like, a center folding point. I just feel like everything collapsed for a second, which mm -hmm. is what needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And now, all of a sudden, I think it's still awful I tried. I try to like just dip my toes into to political situations and without getting too involved because it's so depressing and just takes over 
my soul. Right. And, um, but I, I do see, I do see a brighter future as far as the younger generation of, of people and the way all of the rights for everyone is are being addressed. Yeah. It's really exciting. I think, I think the future holds a lot of hope. Yeah. I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd be interested to see, you know, I mean, I, I will be interested to see, you know, I'm, I'm 41, but, and when I'm in my 60s and 70s, I hope that things have changed. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I hope, I hope that things have changed tomorrow, but right. you know, I, I have a, a greater sense of, you know, things being very rapidly different in the next you know, couple of decades. talk about this new record don't let your love life get you down where that title come from kind of I mean, it was inspired i was going through my second divorce actually and it was kind of a, a thing i was telling myself and also out of respect for myself i had to choose to focus on other things besides, you know, having having like my own respect for myself enough. <laughs> this is not actually the worst thing. This this can be a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I mean, before in my life, it kind of it didn't. I didn't treat it that way, and I, I look back and wish I actually had the same mindset and attitude that I do now and appreciation for what does get me down and what, you know, what I can take on and what I can, you know, just being like having depression issues in my life, it has not been like the easiest thing for me up until recently. And understanding that I can choose the way I feel and control mm -hmm. my own emotions based on simply that just yeah. making choices and it's not that easy for everyone but i think it's i think it is a thing that we can learn and you know and also beyond that it's like most people's love life most couples and most of my friends and most of you know this it's so much of a focus of you know Oh, I don't want to be single. I don't want to be alone. Or, you know, oh, I'm having. It's it's just like a, a point of of depression, and it's such a big issue in in human beings' lives. Mm -hmm. 
be in love and happy and all of these things and it's it's not the most important thing yeah <laughs> you know there's a lot more things that are more important and most of most importantly it's taking care of yourself you know not in a in a totally selfish way but in a in a self-respect way and just respecting yourself and treating yourself right and you know being able to conquer times when you are having troubles in your love life when you are having troubles in your work life when you you know just you know having enough self-respect for yourself to conquer the difficult times in your life and not basing it on whether your relationship is going well or not yeah yeah is that like the overarching lyrical theme of the record things you were dealing with and um no no (laughs) i mean the album kind of has several different themes okay It's, it's song to song but you know they're overall i just think it's it's like a an oddly dark positive message mm-hmm. you know a uh, yeah. <laughs> and a uh, optimistic message of you know it kind of means your love life is not going very well don't let it get you down <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um, what led you to uh, Pelagic Records for this release? I worked with them on this uh, Lust Mord collection that came out. Um, I think it was released beginning of 2022. And it was uh, just a collection that uh, Lust Mord is uh, kind of a minimalist, ambient artist had handpicked a bunch of artists to cover his songs Mm -hmm. and i was one of the groups musicians that he had cover one of his songs which is a task in itself because the songs are very very minimal and through that conversation with them they were just really easy to work with and you know at this point in my life i just i just want communication to be positive and easy and straightforward and yeah, and they also another big reason is they also said they could get the record out this year <laughs> i talked to a lot of other record labels and they said oh 2025 at holy fuck <laughs> yeah but i think that's just how it, how it works man that's wild who did the uh album artwork um, Thomas Hooper did the album artwork. He's a. Uh, I met Thomas Hooper the first time on a Breathers This Tour, our first European tour, and was not really familiar with him. But he he has some Louisville connections where he, he used to be heavily involved in BMXing. Also, okay. There was a company from here called Metal Bikes, and he used to ride. You know, share some some times with them and visit here and we kind of stayed in contact loosely and then connected again in 2019 
and I saw the those paintings that he was making, and they just to me spoke to me in in an uplifting manner. They just have such a forward moving motion. Like they they just to me show a sim. They're symbols of growth to me when I look at them, mm-hmm. and ask him if I could purchase the paintings and also use them as album art and he was yeah overjoyed and just like yes of course whatever whatever you want to do yeah anything you want with art let's let's do it and and he actually i wanted someone to be holding the paintings because they're so graphic i really didn't mm-hmm. want to be confused that they were graphic design pieces or computer generated pieces so he had his son actually hold the paintings on the cover art. So that's, you know, it's really, I think it's a really rewarding thing to not only have him, but also have his son kind of involved. Yeah. Maybe his his son will look back and be like, those are my hands on the album yeah. cover. <laughs> nice. nice. The album is out the 14th. You got a handful of shows, got a new Young Widows record. What's uh, the rest of this year look like? Um, in three and a half weeks, JJL is doing a tour with Kowloon Walled City, and that's a short little tour we're doing just in this regional area. And then after that, there's another tour that I'm really excited about that I can't talk about yet. But okay, that's happening in two and a half months, and then hopefully, you know, I think we'll do. A European tour early next year, hopefully, you know. Yeah. Just keep keep going. Keep doing it. listening to as the story grows our intro music was written and composed by jeremy hunt the as the story grows theme is by bob nana if you like what you hear subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a rating and review if you'd like to support the show financially you can join us at patreon.com slash as the story grows be a part of our community and join the ongoing conversation over on discord if you enjoy this episode share it on social media with your friends much appreciated and thanks for listening. I never felt so young and alive as when I'm diving into a tomb. And now I'm learning as I listen along and the wheels are turning and I started a song. What good word and I'm gone. Oh, as the story. Oh, wow.
world.